Hello, and welcome to the Christ Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. This is Matthew Best. I serve as pastor of Christ Lutheran Church in Allison Hill in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Thanks for being here. If today's message connects with you and what you're going through, brings you inspiration, or offers connection with God, I ask you to please stay on after the message for just a few moments to learn ways to connect with the congregation and the health ministries that we offer. And now, let's dive into God's Word. Our reading of the day comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8 and chapter 9. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes to his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God has come with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain, where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Jesus asked this question, Who do you say that I am? It's a dangerous question. And uh, I did a little bit of uh, research on this. Uh, Outside of Christianity, if you ask people, who's Jesus? There's a wide variety of responses. I'm not making up any of these. So these are all associated with some religious belief outside of Christianity. So for some, that Jesus is a prophet, a messenger of God, 
a holy man, a wise man, a moral teacher, one of the many manifestations of God sent to help humanity progress, the bringer of special knowledge, part of the council of great spirits that direct the universe. There's one group that says that he survived the crucifixion and went to India where he lived as a prophet. This is maybe my most uh, favorite one, that he was a prophet sent by an extraterrestrial race called Elohim. It's interesting. I actually had to look more into that. This was a religion that was founded in the 70s about extraterrestrials. Interesting. Okay. Or an avatar. So those are outside of the bounds of Christianity. When people ask, well, who is Jesus? These are the responses that you get. Within Christianity... There's a whole range also of who do people say Jesus is. Within Christianity, our own nation, you get some interesting responses. You get white Jesus, which is more than just skin color. It has to do with uh, power, dynamics. problem with that is uh, race didn't come into existence until the Enlightenment, so can't be white Jesus. There's woke Jesus, which originally had one connotation, and then it's defined in a million different ways. And again, this didn't come about until the early 20th century, so that doesn't seem to fit either. There's prosperity gospel Jesus, where you know Jesus is interested in just blessing us. That's you know it's kind of a if-then relationship type of thing. Uh, problem with that is that didn't come about until the early 20th century, so not there either. Um, there's rapture Jesus, which is really ticked off Jesus, is how usually he's portrayed. And again, that didn't come about until sometime in the 1800s. Uh, and then there's personal, self, personal savior Jesus, which again didn't come about until the evangelicals kind of hitch their wagon onto that, so that doesn't really work either. Uh, There's Republican and Democrat Jesus, which, you know, those parties only came about in the 1800s, um, so that doesn't work. There's Capitalist Jesus and Socialist Jesus that, again, those ideas of economic systems didn't come about until sometime in the last 500 years or so. Um, And then there's a whole variety of other... other, uh, types of Jesus. And, and all these terms came after Jesus. And oftentimes what you might notice is that they imply that Jesus can be twisted for purposes uh, beyond what Jesus is about. Everybody wants Jesus on their side. Everybody wants Jesus on, on their side and opposed to whoever they happen to be opposed to. You know, it's always everybody recognizes the importance of Jesus They just want Jesus to be a certain thing for them. And I say that because this is not anything new. We we just heard this in our gospel reading. This is 2,000 years ago-ish, right? And the gospel of Mark was written sometimes probably in the 60s, not 1960, 60s. So about 2,000 years ago. And here you have this discussion. Peter's an interesting character. And it's really easy to get down on Peter, but 
we're just like Peter, if we're honest. We're just like Peter. And I think Mark portrays Peter as very human, so we can identify with him. Not to beat him up, but to be like, oh yeah, I can see myself in Peter. I think that's really kind of important, because often we want to be like, oh no, no, we're with Jesus, because we want Jesus on our side. More often than not, we're with Peter, Peter's all around pretty decent guy. He's pretty bold, maybe bolder than some of us. But he's willing to take a chance. He's willing to, to do things. And he messes up. It's pretty human. So you, what you have is, this: you've got three sections here today. You've got this first section where Jesus asks, who do you say I am? They, you know, who do other people say I am? You know, John the Baptist, Elijah, other prophets. And he asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter answers, you are the Messiah. Now, the interesting thing about this is in like Luke's gospel, Jesus says to him, flesh and blood has not revealed to this to you, but my father in heaven. Jesus doesn't say that here in Mark. And so the question is, where did this answer come from? Well, Mark leaves it up. I mean, Peter's been with Jesus. He's watched him calm the sea. He's watched him heal people. He's watched him cast out demons. He's watched him feed the multitudes. He's watched him overcome death by by raising the dead. Obviously, this guy is something special. That's That's clearly what's going on here. And Peter's got the right answer. Chalk one up for Peter. Good job, Peter. You get an A on the test. But as we know, tests are not just one-time things. Keep going. And so you have the the next. so, So the first part is Peter has this confession. And Peter gets it right. And he thinks, all right, star student. If I get that right, I might get everything else right. Then you have this situation where Jesus goes on and says, yep, Peter, you're right. I'm the Messiah. Here's what it means that I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, the people you'd least expect it from, and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And it's significant that Mark says he spoke plainly about this. He wasn't hiding it. And then it says Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Why did Peter rebuke him? He just got the right answer. Jesus, you're the Messiah. Because Peter had in mind what a Messiah is. And it's not someone who goes and gets himself killed. At this period of time, there's a lot of unrest. There has been unrest in Israel for a long time. And there have been other supposed messiahs who have risen up. The most famous one was Judas Maccabees, who back 160 BC, so about 200 years before this conversation is taking place, the Seleucid Empire is in charge of Israel. Antiochus Epiphanes is the emperor, and he does something terrible. He sacrifices a pig in the Holy of Holies of the temple. Which, I don't know if that doesn't sound bad to you or not, but that would be no different than us 
going right here to the altar and set, making some kind of sacrifice to some other god. How do you think that would go over? Not good. <laughs> right? And it's the temple, the Holy of Holies. The only place where once a year the high priest was allowed to enter. Other than that, no one else enters at all. And so it's this sacrilege that, that just, it's, it's terrible for the temple. And so Judas raises this army and throws off the, uh, the Seleucid Empire. And what happens is you have a series of other people who attempt to do the same thing. They raise up and try to overthrow through violence. And here Jesus is saying, I'm not like other messiahs. I'm not like other messiahs that you are expecting. I'm not going to use violence to create peace. That goes against most of human history. And there's a lot of folks who don't like to hear that throughout human history. And then he goes on and he says, if any are going to follow me, they have to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. This is the confrontation between Peter and Jesus. Peter doesn't like the answer. And Jesus says, no, you don't like the answer. But this is who I am. Don't twist me into something that I'm not. The other, the other thing that's interesting about this is Jesus is essentially talking about suffering. And what he's noting is that he's not requiring suffering. Jesus isn't saying, I'm going to make you suffer. Jesus isn't saying that. He's saying, because you follow me, there's a whole lot of the world that's not going to like my way. And they will do what the world has always done. And they will make you suffer for it. The way of the world is the ends justify the means. Might makes right, the strong survive. And when you push against that, they live into this and push back. And they're suffering as a result of this. But stay true to the course. Jesus is not only having a confrontation with Peter, but a confrontation with the world. And lastly, you have the story of the transfiguration. And, and Jesus, after six days, takes Peter, James, and John, and they go. They hike up the mountain. And this is the apex of the story. It's also the apex, the, the height of the Gospel of Mark. It's right in the middle of the Gospel of Mark. So all along, since the very beginning, they've been climbing this mountain, if you want to think about it, to get to this point of who Jesus is. And, and right before this, right at the beginning of our reading, Peter is the first human being to proclaim who Jesus is, the Messiah. The only other times, the only other folks who have proclaimed who Jesus is is the voice during uh, the baptism of Jesus, this is my son, which we hear again, and angels and demons. Peter's the first one. Isn't that so interesting? 
He gets it right, gets it wrong. He's very human. And you have this transfiguration that is, we don't understand, but Jesus has changed before them. It reminds us of when Moses was climbing and having this interaction with God, and, and he comes away and his face is so bright they have to cover it up. Because any interaction with God is this kind of immense light that would, that would alter, alter us. And I think that there's this uh, humor in this gospel, actually. Um, so you've got, you know, Jesus, is, his clothes are whiter than any, anybody could bleach them. He's got an OxyClean commercial going on. That's what it's, uh, and then Elijah and Moses are there, right? And, then, and they're talking with Jesus. And here's Peter again being very human. What does he do? He says to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us go up. Let us build three shelters, one for you, Moses, and Elijah. And it says, he didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. He didn't know what to say, so he felt like he had to say something. He's very human. And essentially what happens is the cloud appears, covers them, and a voice comes out, Peter, quiet. Listen. No one asked you, is what, what the voice is essentially saying to Peter. You don't have to say anything. Stop trying to twist Jesus. Stop trying to make him into something for you. This isn't about what it's for you, just you individually. Jesus is more. Listen to him. And so I go back to our question. Who do we say that Jesus is? In preparation, I was reading commentary from uh, Raquel Letson, who's from Eden Theological Seminary in St. Louis, and this is what she said about this reading. So often, this is the failure of many of us as followers of Jesus Christ. We do not like what Jesus is saying or showing, and so we rebuke him by rebuking and rejecting others. We do not like where Jesus is leading, so we declare that it's not the right way, the right company, the right timing, or the right assignment. We're like Peter, and that's okay. We're human. The good news is we're not going to get this right. That might sound kind of weird. And it's not relying on us getting it right. We're going to mess up. We're going to have the right answer sometimes. And other times, we're going to try and twist Jesus. And yet, in the midst of it all, when the, the smoke clears, just like it says here, suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Jesus is still there with them. Jesus stays with them. Can you imagine what that conversation was like coming back down the mountain? They're in awe. They don't know what to say, probably still. Probably still saying something, because they're human. Even though the voice from heaven just said, listen to him, we're, we have this tendency to, you know, it takes us a while to, to get it. I know that's true for me. Yet Jesus is with them and stays with them. 
And the beautiful thing about this is this is going to happen over and over again through the rest of the gospel to the point that Peter is going to deny Jesus. Having had this experience, can you imagine having had this experience, probably being changed by it, and yet still going and denying Jesus? And the rest of the disciples are going to run. When it gets really tough, they're going to run. Everybody's going to abandon Jesus. Peter, James, and John, who were with him during this, are going to abandon him. And yet, in spite of that, Jesus still loves them. Jesus still stays with them. Jesus is doing the things that they can't do because they don't have it within them to do it. They're human. They're human, and they're going to mess it up. We're going to mess it up. We're going to mess it up. We're going to be like Peter one moment. You're the Messiah. And then the next, oh, Jesus, that's not really what I had in mind. And yet Jesus is faithful. He's always faithful. I'm sure you can think of stories. And this is your homework, I guess. Pay attention over the course of this week. It's really easy to get caught up in negativity. It's easy to see that, where things are wrong or terrible or bad, and to get caught in those. And even when you're seeing that, I, here's my challenge to you. Where is Jesus in that moment, and who is Jesus being? Ask yourself the question, when, when you're seeing the things that are going on about you, where is Jesus and who is Jesus being? How are you seeing God's love in spite of what people are doing, in spite of how they are rebuking and denying or rejecting? Because I guarantee you it's there and it's happening. This didn't just happen one time 2,000 years ago. This happens all the time. Transfiguration is about a change of how we see Jesus. Jesus is showing himself for who he is. And he continues to show himself for who he is. This week, take a look and see how Jesus is showing himself to you. Thanks be to God. Thank you again for listening to the Sermon Podcast. I'm always happy to have a conversation or pray with you. Please reach out either by email to pastor at christharrisburg.org or call me at 717-236-8382. I'd also invite you to be part of worship on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. We're a very diverse, open, affirming, and laid-back congregation. Christ Lutheran Church is located at 124 South 13th Street in Harrisburg. Parking is along the street. You can enter the building through the side entrance on South 13th Street or at the corner of 13th and Thompson Streets. And lastly, check us out on the web. Our website is ChristHarrisburg.org. There you can learn more about and offer your support for the congregation as well as the health ministries and free clinics that we provide to people in need in our neighborhood. 
I invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram also at Christ Lutheran Harrisburg. Thank you. I look forward to connecting with you, and I pray that you have a blessed week.